0: Welcome to the Global Medical Device Podcast, where today's brightest minds in the medical device industry go to get their most useful and actionable insider knowledge direct from some of the world's leading medical device experts and companies.
1: All right, you all know how, or probably know how I feel on the topic of ISO 14971 and risk management. And I'm excited to kind of take that conversation of risk management to the next level on today's episode of the Global Medical Device Podcast. With me, I have Jim Janoutsis with Regality Consulting, and we explore some of the challenges with a company's approach to risk management and how to make sure that you're tying in manufacturing processes. So you're going to want to listen to this one. Enjoy. Hello, and welcome to the Global Medical Device Podcast. This is your host, the founder and VP of Quality and Regulatory at Greenlight.Guru, John Spear. And I'm excited today. I've got my good friend, Jim Janoutsis from Regality Consulting, joining us on the conversation today. And we're going to talk a little bit about risk management and its connection to manufacturing processes. And we're going to get into some of the nuances. So, Jim, welcome to the Global Medical Device Podcast.
0: Hey John, thanks for having me. Appreciate it.
1: Oh, absolutely. I'm, I uh, I like risk management is one of those topics I like talking about, and and um, I'm kind of gathering that that you do as well. But I kind of sensed, and we'll get into this here in a few moments that that um, you've been dealing with some well, maybe frustration isn't the right word, but but maybe some some disconnects on the topic of manufacturing and production and process controls and how that relates to risk. So we'll dive into that in a moment, but. Could you do us all a favor and, and give us a little bit about your background and uh, talk to a little bit about what Regality Consulting does?
0: Yeah, sure. And uh, by the way, I got to give you uh, uh, <laughs> some some props for getting my name right. Uh, nobody really ever does. Everybody calls me Jimmy G. So. Um, Really appreciate that. <laughs> well, I <laughs> we, mean, uh, in full candor, I mean, I, I did
1: get a little bit of coaching before I started to pronounce
0: it. You're not you're not the first time, first first person to to, to say that. Um, but uh, yeah, so reality Consulting, uh, we uh, basically focus on quality management system, uh, regulatory affairs for medical device companies. And from my personal experience and background, uh, I've been involved with uh, Class One, Class Two, and Class Three uh, PMA products. Uh, but from an FDA perspective and uh, EU perspective uh, from design dossier development things of that nature um, you know I've c- kind of had the, the full gamut working for uh, large uh, world leaders of uh, medical device manufacturers to uh, very small uh, boutique manufacturers uh, you know about 15, 15 persons strong uh, so I kind of seen the, the whole gamut uh, in terms of you know why processes are are the way they are why they developed any of these sometimes monstrosity that they are uh, into these uh, bigger organizations and, and had that real nice perspective of, of, of meeting in the middle um, and making sure that uh, quality management systems work for your business.
1: All right. Well, that's, that's a pretty good background. And folks, uh, just so that um, if you're looking up Janoutsis and trying to figure out, well, uh, how do I spell that? Let me, <laughs> let me bail you out. It's G I A N O U T S. O S and Jim's website, Jimmy G's website is regalityconsulting.com, R-E-G-A-L-I-T-Y consulting.com. All one word, no hyphen. So go there and you can learn a lot more about Jim's background. But Jim, let's dive into it a little bit. Let's you know, I have been dealing with risk uh, for a long time. Uh, I know you have as well. And I think some of the challenges that I've seen is well, risk is often used as a checkbox activity. Uh, it's done way too late, uh, often in the process. There's a, a kind of a misinterpretation or misunderstanding or misapplication maybe of the tools and the approaches and that sort of thing. And certainly manufacturing processes seem to be forgotten when it comes to risk. And I'm guessing that you've got some experiences on that t- as well.
0: No, yeah, I definitely do. And, um, you know, I, I I concur with, you know, I think... I think sometimes it's, it's is sometimes an afterthought, you know, it's people wait, way too late uh, in the process to actually do it. Obviously with, with FDA and and ISO and the new MDR, uh, everything that's been coming out in in the the way that uh, FDA and regulatory bodies way of thinking is that, you know, risk is basically this cloud that the manufacturer needs to live in. Um, And it has to be, uh, it has to be, at the forefront of every discussion, every decision that's made uh, yeah. on a risk-based decision, and you know one of the biggest things I've seen from a manufacturing perspective is that if you have a solid foundation in risk, uh, if, you're, if your if your company is built on uh, the ISO fourteen nine seventy one, you know you develop products through the design development process, and you know incorporate the the those risk-based decisions and risk assessments in your products, everything else kind of falls in line. And you have a real nice uh, foundation to look back on to make the solid risk-based decisions um, that your company is going to need from an uh, in-process sampling, from an inspection sampling, um, from a validation standpoint, and through a uh, final release perspective as well. You know, it's really, it's it's fundamental, but I think a lot of people wait way too late in the, in the game to actually do it.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, and it's, it's surprising to me. I mean, 14.971 is is frankly it's a standard that's been in our world now for ooh i can't remember when it first came i think it was the first version was like in two thousand if i'm if memory serves correct which um I can double check that but but a long time let's say <laughs> long enough that's for us while. to long enough for us to as an industry to have uh embraced that i mean especially knowing that this particular standard is it's harmonized and and that's there's not a lot of standards that are in that that um that space where they've been basically accepted by all of the world's regulatory bodies in the med device industry. And so, I mean, what do you, what do you think it is? Why, why has the adoption of 14971, at least as a a practice rather than a checkbox, I mean, do you have any thoughts of of why this has been so
0: problematic or challenging for companies? Yeah, I think, I think from a, from a, what I've seen at least, it seems that, you know, you, you don't have, the solid foundation, you didn't build it uh into your system to begin with. It was more of a again an afterthought. It's developing these yeah. uh, decisions in and kind of going back and in, in almost developing the risks as you kind of go along because you didn't put enough uh yeah. front end development into actually determining well really what what are the issues that could present uh themselves either from a uh uh from a design development standpoint or a post uh production standpoint.
1: Yeah, I think that's a that's that's a really good point. I mean, and I, I I do a lot of work with companies that are going through design and development. You know, some that are uh, certainly transitioning into manufacturing as well. And that's one of the things I try to hit on with with companies mm-hmm. that are in that process is you know start risk early. You know, you probably you probably are even starting some of your risk management activities. Uh, before you really get too in-depth and from a design control standpoint. In fact, and that might even be a suggested best best practice from a design of your device standpoint, start risk uh, sooner rather than later because doing so will actually improve your design and development.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, it'll it'll also improve, um, basically, uh, it'll set the stage for any type of uh, incoming inspection uh, sampling uh, process validation uh, and final release testing as well. Um, it, you know, I, I think that people just kind of make up some sampling plans based on right scientific rationale, but really, what is that scientific rationale? But well, if you actually go back to your risk and your risk assessment you've done for your product, then it's very clear that, you know, you've already identified what those risks are and in, in that rationale, and you can make a pretty Concrete decision as to what type of sampling uh, that you're going to do from an incoming and process final release and process validation standpoint. Um, oh, you know, kind of all sure. back into that foundation.
1: Well, let's and let's talk about that because I you know as much as there's a challenge to to jump in and and address or try to implement best practices from a risk from a design of a device standpoint. Uh, there's we're even further behind as. Uh, as an industry, I think, as it relates to manufacturing processes. I mean, I I think there's a huge disconnect that people don't think about design control, also including the design of my manufacturing processes. And they're certainly not making that connection from a risk standpoint as well. So talk to me a little bit about what you've seen or the concerns or or issues that you've dealt with in, in that space.
0: Yeah, sure, absolutely. So I think just recently I, I, I was at a client and there were some uh, validation issues, and they really didn't know how many pieces of sample, you know, from a from an incoming or OQ and, and PQ standpoint. So really, at the end of the day, if you develop a good sample size selection procedure, right, and it's based on the risk of your device, and what I mean by that is you can correlate the samples back to your risk levels that you assign to specific um, hazards within your risk assessment. So, for example, you know, sterile barrier breaches or, or things of that nature, that's going to be a high risk. You're going sure. to have a higher sampling plan for that. Something that you know might be not a non-issue, um, something that's easily detectable within a manufacturing process, you might be assigned a low risk uh, and then you're going to have the lowest uh, sampling size, whatever is defined in your sampling procedure. So, you know, defining those hazards uh, up front uh, the severities the uh, the occurrence the uh, overall risk level uh, any residual risks that nature really kind of sets you up for um, if done properly, an easy way to determine how much sampling you're going to do yeah. um, and the outcome as well so it's, it's it's a really nice process if you can do it right
1: let me let me dive into that because I think what you just said is is really really important to to try to grasp and, and get a handle on, so I go through and identify. Uh, early on, and while I'm going through the design and development process, I identify risk. Uh, I determine you know the severity and and the harm and and the likelihood of that's going to happen. I take some action, I incorporate some some features uh, within my product to try to address and mitigate that. And so if I'm going to, let me make the leap here. So now that I do that uh, from a from a design output standpoint, that design output correlates to specific drawings and specifications, manufacturing mm-hmm. instructions, uh, manufacturing inspection procedures, those sorts of things. So the, what you're suggesting, if I understood you correctly, is that depending on what my risk level is, that can drive what practices I put in place from a manufacturing process to try to reduce the, the likelihood of that, that harm from occurring.
0: Yeah, that's, I think you hit the nail on the head, John. I think, you know, what it really uh, comes down to, again, is about that risk-based decision-making. So if you, you, you almost have that sequential um, you know, process in place where it's design development, you, you know, develop your DMR, uh, your bar, your, your bomb and all of that, and include that in your manufacturing processes. Um, you know, then in turn, you're automatically already, uh, uh integrating risk into your process. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, I think it's really important, uh, note that you just made.
1: Yeah. And, and, and folks, this is why this is important because, you know, especially, well, it doesn't have to be just if you're outsourcing, but I know a lot of times you're you're buying stuff, parts, pieces, components from suppliers, vendors. You may be outsourcing different things to contract manufacturers and that sort of thing. And, you know, this these types of decision-making processes will help determine when you get components and materials from suppliers. This may help determine, okay, do you need to do 100% sampling of the things that you're receiving from your suppliers or can you implement some sort of sampling plan of course the key on that sampling plan caveat here is make sure it's a a statistically valid sampling plan don't just pick jimmy g's plan or or john (laughs) spears plan make sure you can corroborate this or back into some sort of standard or accepted methodology but it also may influence as you get into the manufacturing process whether or not you're doing some inspection uh, as far as uh, kind of while the work is in process during that quote whip phase, if you will, or if you need to do uh, inspection activities, a final inspection, or maybe a combination of those things. So, this this concept of risk will really help drive and, and influence the design of your manufacturing processes.
0: Yeah, I think you're um, right on, John. And, and kind of expanding on it a little bit, you know, I think. Whenever you talk about you know setting up those specific sampling plans for your manufacturing process, you know once once you validate a process based on your risk-based approach, right? It's a very good rationale for even reducing uh, yeah. your in-process inspection. Um, so if you validate it to a higher scrutiny uh, than you typically would, anything else just based on the risk, then your in-process is um, a good rationale to decrease that to you know. An S level, uh, if you're talking about uh, ANSI standards, uh, sampling standards, uh, rather than general level inspections. Um, so it's it's a really nice way to, you know, I guess, you know, validate at one level, uh, but sure. then uh, as you continue the processing um, and, and manufacturing, you can actually reduce that sampling uh, based on a valid risk based approach.
1: Yeah, that's that's
0: great insight.
1: So. Jim, I I know that you, uh, you've been in the trenches in these areas for a while. So maybe if you, if you could, I'm putting you on the spot a little bit here, but if you could share either a, some, some best practices that you've seen, or maybe b some horror stories that you've seen to just help uh, seal this point home a little bit more clear for folks.
0: Yeah, sure. So, um, so right now I'm actually at a client and they are under a warning letter for process validation. They have had significant issues in terms of not being validated or what validation they did have uh, was not either correct or insufficient. And it kind of all went back to their their risk and this was a fundamental issue through when the company started creating the products from a design development standpoint to uh, the validation, uh, you know, and then, and then the post market release. So, so, really, you know, I, I can't stress enough that you have to have, you know, valid statistical rationale for your sampling, for your validation, uh, for your in process testing, for your uh, incoming and final release testing, uh, whatever, it, whatever it may be, you know, it kind of all goes back to the foundation of risk management. Setting up a great process and then continuing uh, to incorporate and integrate that process uh, into your um, you know, design development and manufacturing processes um, you know as you' as as, a, as you're continuing to sell this product product yeah. you know, product. Um, you know I, I think that you know I think it for, for most companies they don 't see the issues until somebody else comes in and Really nails them, and unfortunately for this client, uh, that was a warning letter. So now they're they're scrambling, and, and this client has thousands of products, and, and it's a very uh, difficult situation. And, and so I think to nail that home, I can't stress enough how important it is.
1: Yeah, and and I'll just add to that because I've I've worked in in consulting engagements and similar types of scenarios where when you when a company gets to that warning letter status. Well, tension is high number one sure. stress stress is high uh, there's there's agitation there's anxiety there's frustration there's all these negative emotions associated with that and the The desire is to try to get out of that warning letter situation as quickly as possible. And so, at least in my experience, the way I've seen a lot of companies tackle that is they throw a lot of Band-Aids at it. Just say it another way, they're yeah. throwing a lot of paper at it and they didn't really address the problem. They just actually, they tried to appease the regulators so that they can move on to the next thing and, and they didn't really learn their lesson. Uh, so folks, uh, first and foremost, address this now. Uh, don't, don't wait until you get a warning letter. Nobody wants a warning letter ever. Uh, be proactive. Get into your system. Evaluate. You know, this this is a great way to potentially even be more preventive from a, maybe even a campus standpoint. You know, if you haven't made this connection of of your manufacturing process risk uh, and and together, and you haven't integrated these things together, this is uh, something that is is a growing expectation. Uh, not only from FDA, but also in, in ISO world as well. So do something about it now. Don't, don't wait till you get to that warning letter because that's not going to be a fun time to deal with it. Sure isn't. <laughs> sure isn't. And Jim, any other parting thoughts, words of wisdom that, uh, that you'd like to share with our uh, audience before we wrap up today's
0: session? You know, I think, I think, again, I think you brought it home and almost don't wait until you get that warning letter. You know, a lot of businesses, again, you know, some some businesses treat this as an afterthought. You know, great businesses treat this as a forethought. I think you know, once it starts potentially affecting sales, then it becomes a high priority. Obviously, so just don't wait till that point, and you know, be proactive with it because uh, you know, especially with all the the new regulations coming through uh, from an international standpoint, and um, obviously the way that FDA has been thinking um, and the future. Of it's thinking. The agency's thinking. Uh, you know, this isn't going away anytime soon, and I no. just think they're going to be they're going to be more proactive uh, in ensuring that you have the right process in place uh, to make risk based decisions.
1: Without a doubt, this, folks, this is not going away. This is something that's here to stay, and uh, it's time to to start to reevaluate your approach and make sure you have best practices in place. And if you have any question. Or concern, or, or wonder if, in fact, uh, there's something that you can do about it, and and want to ask uh, a friendly, a friendly face with uh, a lot of experience. I, I would highly recommend that you contact Jim janutzis with Regality Consulting. Again, you can go to RegalityConsulting.com, uh, and you can uh, submit your your contact information, all that sort of thing. And Jim would be happy to have a conversation with you about that. Also on the topic of being a friendly face that can help you with these uh, optimize your systems and and address your risk management scenarios, it's something that we do pretty well here at greenlight.guru as well. So I would encourage you to to take a peek at what we're doing. Go to greenlight.guru. And you can learn a lot more about our product platform and specifically some of the workflows and the systems that we built into our cloud-based award-winning software when it comes to complying with ISO 14971 risk management. So go there and check that out. And if you want to learn more about the product, you can request a demo and we'd be happy to have a conversation with you as well. Again, I want to thank my guest, Jim Janoutsis with Regality Consulting. And we've had a great time chatting today about uh, the connection between manufacturing processes and risk management. And this has been your host, the founder and VP of Quality and Regulatory at Greenlight.Guru, John Spear. And you have been listening to the Global Medical Device Podcast.